You're listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared, a podcast where we take a break from the everyday hustle and bustle to muse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of randomness. Now here's Greg and Ross. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Ross. Hey, it's Greg. And this is Unmotivated and Unprepared, episode five, Greg, episode five. Episode five. That's awesome. We made it. We made it. We made it past what we thought might happen with three episodes. Yeah, we're, we're in the big time now. And, and this is the fifth episode. And or as I would say it in my native tongue, five. Five. So it's a bit, it's a big deal for me. And I feel, Greg, I feel like we need to give... We need to give all the listeners what I know they've been waiting for. You know what that is? You're going to tell me. That's bucket list part two. Bucket list part two. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we might not fill up the whole time because, but I did do some, I did do some homework. So I've got a couple things that I want to run by you. Maybe you might write some things down for your bucket list, but few things I've bucketed this out into three things. People, places, and experiences. Always okay. so organized, Ross. Always uh, so organized. <laughs> hey, you know, we're we're not even we're not even two minutes in, and I've already got categories. Your so, bucket list is chevrons. It's chevrons. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've got a slide deck I can send you afterwards <laughs> if you'd like. Even though, even though, the two people on this podcast, there's one of us who's the slide deck king. So, and it's not the man talking right now. So. I know we'll, we'll have to we'll have to unpack Greg's <laughs> slide deck abilities at some point in time. All right. So I was thinking about this, Greg. And I need your I need your opinion. You know I'm an introvert, and you probably have a pretty good read on Ross. Don't don't put that on your bucket list. You're gonna be sorely disappointed. Or I want to be there when that happens type of thing. So let's start in the people category. First off, I just want to start with ones that I know are not going to happen because rest in peace, Mr. Rogers. Um, I think it would be awesome to meet Mr. Rogers. I think he's the ultimate good person. Thankfully, no news articles have come out. He's an awesome dude. And he's got the Pittsburgh ties, which is I married into a Pittsburgh family. So I think it'd be really cool to meet Mr. Rogers. But that can't I, happen, Ross. That's that's for the game we play, which is if you could invite anybody to dinner, who'd you invite? You can't you can't meet Dr. Rogers anymore. I know, but I was just I was I was going Greenfield. You I know, get you. If anything I get you. Existed, if time but, if time, money and and you know, sci fi was real. Uh, yes, if sci fi yeah. hey, wait, it's not? Oh man. All right. Well, <laughs> scratch those are two off. Okay. So my people list is pretty short, honestly. I mean, I think it would be cool to meet the members of Metallica, because I am a Metallica fan. That would be cool. Um I don't know. And then I've got I've got some sports figures. We talked about tennis before. I'd like to meet Roger Federer. He's like my he's my total bro crush. I think he's a great tennis athlete. I think he's a great dude. And then Tim Duncan from the Spurs. Cause his nickname's Big Fundamental, and I think, you know, fundamentals are are key. But I was thinking about this, Greg. I don't know if I I don't know what I would say to these people. That's the problem. I, I feel like I would meet them. 
and feel obligated to say something profound. Yeah. And I think that if you met Tim Duncan, I think it would be a very awkward exchange because he's an introvert just like you are. Yeah, between, think, me, between me and his yeah, belly button. Yeah, yeah, he would just be like, uh, and you'd be like, uh, and that would be, that would kind of be the, I mean, you'd warm up after a bit. I'd, but be, like, it, I'd be like, defense wins championships, right. right? Yes. Yeah. And you're very good at asking questions, but if the person itself isn't good at answering, and you've watched Tim Duncan interviews, uh, he's just not the best interviewer. I think you'd be stalled out. You'd be like, you know, one of these dates that went on a while, a little while back where you just, you kind of struggle to have a conversation after yeah. a bit. You're just like, I learned nothing. No, it's like I didn't get anything. You seem like a great person, but this just isn't this yeah, just isn't the anywhere. vibe. Yeah, this isn't the vibe. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I mean I think it would be good. I I would probably come up with some teaser questions, you know, some random stuff to ask them. You know, when's the last time you, you know, you pet a reptile just to really throw them off, you know, but something something interesting. <laughs> when's the last time you pet a reptile? <laughs> so no no kidding. I my wife and I are watching this masterclass um, by David Sedaris on storytelling. And he talks about like having these odd questions to ask people. And I've done it at work recently and people are so confused. Sure. So confused. I asked someone the other day if they've ever built a tree house. They look at me like, what, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, just curious. Just curious if you built a tree house. And then some girl went on this long, long thing about how she didn't like yeah. playing in tree houses because she got splinters. Yeah. Like how would you have ever talked to somebody at work about getting splinters without having a question like that? So it's actually very interesting. So, but people's not the fun part. It's when you start getting to the places that I want to go because one, maybe you've been to some of these places. Maybe, maybe you can help me out here. So the first thing on my list is the ministry of sound. Now for our listeners who might be only interested in spoken word, can you inform everyone what the Ministry of Sound is, Greg? The Ministry of Sound is the, the electronic music mecca of London. Uh, there was of England, actually of a lot of places. I mean, it's I mean, there's the Gatecrasher in Manchester and and Gatecrasher Two in Ibiza. There's all these places where people these legendary nightclubs. But of the nightclubs that are left, Ministry of Sound is one of those that has maintained for a very long time. And I think mostly because the guys who started it were obsessed with making the music sound the way that it sounds. And they, again, they just went into another deal to re reinvent the Ministry of Sound with better speakers with spatial audio. This idea of building sound to make it sound bigger and larger than it is. Uh, and I, it is... It's an amazing nightclub. If you have an opportunity to go there, it is an amazing experience. However, what about me? What about me going there, Greg? Unless there was ecstasy involved, I'm not sure, Ross. You would be a hundred percent comfortable with the with the environment. I mean, yeah, and I mean, I'm not I'm not a drug user, no. so that's 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 off the list. I do like I do like lollipops, though. So um, <laughs> haven't yeah. haven't used a pacifier in many many years, yeah. but. Um, but ring it's pops. so go with ring pops, you can ring, just pop, put a ring, ring pop, ring pop in, right? Gotcha. Do two and one. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. But like, that's so fascinating to me how they keep, like you said, they keep reinventing it. It's not just the music coming out of the speakers, but the overall, the overall experience of it. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, and for a very long, for a great deal of time, the best, the best DJ records were the Ministry of Sound compilations. They they would capture the zeitgeist of the music at the time, and they would deliver you with the best DJs the sounds. Um, uh, and I thought the better DJs because. I mean, I knew some of them. So they they were just the best at their skill set. And the Ministry of Sound would love to release something from them. There would be special promo nights. And, of course, they would record uh, not often live, but they would re- it was the same DJs that would play the same set they played at the, at the Ministry. But, again, I don't know, Ross, if the Ministry of Sound, as, as cool as it is, you wish they would give day tours. But I'm not sure you get the same experience from a Ministry of Sound. Yeah, day I'm a tour. I'm a day tour type of guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a total day tour type of guy. You know, with load you on a bus, pick you up at 7 a.m., yeah. chauffeur you around, give you the little history tour. Yeah, day tours in Ministry of Sound is when they're like cleaning up. Yeah, it's not. A, it, would, it wouldn't be a good vibe at the daytime. You'd actually see it without people in it, and like it bopping yeah. your head, like, "Where's the tunes, man? Where's yeah. the tunes?" Like, uh, "Sir." <laughs> The tunes start at 8 p.m., not 8 a.m. Uh, uh-huh. More at 10. But yeah, geri- geriatric, geriatric ravers. That's, that's like they, they, do, they, they rave at the senior citizen home at 4 a.m. Hey, that might be a thing in, in you know, 20 years from now. Hold on to that idea. NDAs all around. Like that, yeah, yeah. you never know, right? Bump it, bumping <laughs> some EDM at the senior center. Extra, all right, so, loud, so, extra loud for the hearing loss. That's, that's right. Yeah, you just put the headphones on. Just, you know, crank it into. I mean, the hearing aids already jammed in there anyway. So just pump it, pump it through the through the hearing aids. So, so okay. So maybe not Ministry of Sound. We, you know, it's maybe the facade, maybe the front of it. I'll say check. We should you know, go check. walk by it. Yeah. Yeah. Walk walk by it. Um, let's go far other end of the spectrum. Okay. When I I told my wife this, I was coming up with this list. She's like, Are "You talking to Greg today?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm coming up with my bucket list." She goes, "Oh, let's hear it." I said I want to see a volcano. <laughs> and this Greg's laughing. He's not. He's. He, I. I was like from a distance, and she goes, like erupting. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't want to. Maybe if it was the last thing on my bucket list, you know, like <laughs> check, and then the last one is become ash or become covered in ash, you know. But no, I just like I just want to see. Yeah. Uh, dormant or whatever. You know, maybe. I don't know if I want well, to see flowing lava, but I think not? that would be kind of cool. Hilo, Hawaii. He, and, and you guys are this type of people, so I don't think it's bad. You guys are outdoorsy, hikey type of people. Um, if it's within reason um, and yes. it's comfortable. Uh, yeah. Your wife is a, is a comfortable person. I think. Do they make hot. Do they make bougie volcano excursions? Yeah, they do. In Hilo, Hawaii, you can go. Same thing. Pick you up in a bus and drive you to the lava flows at night to see yeah. the lava come down the mountain, and you can actually see the fire as it's as the lava flows into the ocean. I think that's probably as close as you want to be. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and maybe not even that close. But yeah, I think that would be that would be pretty rad. Like that would be, that would be a fun experience. And that would be something that like back to these bucket list things, you know, people taking a bunch of photos. I wouldn't even take photos of that because there's plenty of videos and photos of lava going into the, just soaking it in, just like watching it and, and, and seeing all that stuff happen. So I think I could, I'm leaving that one on my list as much as I thought that was the first one that was going to get crossed off the list. Well, 
Well, if you add on it, you can add other bucket list items to it too, right? For mm-hmm. instance, the idea that you could take a short hop flight from, from o- Oahu to Hilo. You could do a helicopter ride all the way across. You could do a ferry. You could do a ferry from Oahu to Hilo. So you, there's, a, there's plenty of cool things you could do. And you can see where Jurassic Park was filmed. So all those things kind of play into a one big, giant, great Ross vacation. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a bunch of bucket list things. I'm not sure, like, I don't know about a helicopter ride. Like, some people be like, it's just a, I'm not a huge fan of flying. I don't like the turbulence piece of it. I know you don't like it. it. But, uh, take the ferry, Ross. Take, the, take ferry the ferry from Oahu to Hilo. Have we it talked takes... about the time I attempted to go snorkeling off of Molokini? <laughs> like, the no. one time I did go to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, we'll save that one for next time. Ferry Ross might not be a very pleasurable experience either. <laughs> So you just right. want a, you want a volcano to just show up outside your door so you can see it once. <laughs> that and would then, be nice. That would be <laughs> and nice. Then it just disappears. you know, I mean, I'm you know, I'm from a small town that does have a uh, what's the what's the big landmass formations that I mean like the bubble ones. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a geologist. What the the geysers or the, I don't know. The look hot- up in Chan- look in look up Enchanted Rock, Fredericksburg, Texas. I, I don't know. It's 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 the type of formation it is. It's one of the largest ever, but. Anyways, you can you can Google that. You can do some crack research while I'm going to my next item, which is yeah, the Taj Mahal. Okay, it's a batholith, by the way. Okay, okay. I don't know what that means, but that's what it's known. Yeah. So, uh, so technically, I have seen I have seen a volcano, just not erupting or lava yeah. flow. So maybe I need to tighten it and say I want to see lava flow. It's a very yeah. specific. It's a very specific bucket list item. What do you want to see? Lava flowing. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. So, anyways, um, not a volcano. Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal. So the Taj Mahal. I've been to the Taj Mahal. Uh, oh, you have. Okay. Is, okay. It is hot, sticky, uh, and it's crowded. Sounds like Houston. Keep uh, going. Yes, and it's crowded. And um, you have to be okay with very tight quarters to go inside of it. I would have skipped that. Actually, I don't even think anybody should go inside of it. Just stand outside and take pictures. Just see it. Because once you get inside, I mean, look, we know that there's natural smells that people emit. And in different places, there's more natural emission of those smells dependent. Like in Europe, people just have kind of a natural BO that's, you know, European. And if you happen to be in India, there's a natural BO that also happens to smell like something it's a lot closer to what they eat. So mm-hmm. you add lots and lots of people that have that natural emission and then put them in a very crowded space. And that's kind of what I remember most about the Taj Mahal. Mm. See, yeah, I think outside of the Taj Mahal sounds good to me based off of it's that very assessment. Pretty. It's very pretty. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not a, I'm not a crowded, tight spaces type of person. Like I'm not go spelunking. That's not anywhere on my bucket list. Very, very far away. You know, I don't like. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you turn sideways, you can get through this part of the cavern. No, that's not my no, type of jam. No, I mean, no. it's, not, it's not that tight, but I see what you mean. It's just very crowded. Yeah, very, very crowded. Um, what about? Oh, and on a side note. I'm surprised when I sweat, it doesn't smell like mac and cheese. 
since I eat yeah. so much mac and cheese. Yeah, I I always wonder about that. Why we don't admit the smell? Like I like, yeah. But I think we probably we probably do. Probably, we probably do. do. You just you just don't notice it because yeah. you're you're around it all the time. Uh, one more place, and then we'll go to things and experiences because that's always that's always fun. Uh, Sydney Opera House. I've never been there. I think never that'd be cool. There. I mean, it's, but again, it's one of those places where do you really need to go to it or like? I mean, by going to it, does it is it going to make it different than if you just watch a video about a drone flying over it? Yeah, and I mean, is it? And also, it's kind of like the Ministry of Sound, though. Is it the acoustics inside? Right. Is it the architecture inside? Like what you see there is of of higher quality, or what you hear yeah. there, you know? Or is it just another opera house? Because I mean, I went to the Houston Grand Opera, fantastic. It was, yeah, very, it was very well done. I don't know. I mean, the Met going to the Met Opera is one of those things where you should do it once. You go get a tuxedo and you dress up okay. for the Metropolitan Opera. Those Put are it on cool. my list. But the Sydney Opera House, I, I mean, if you happen to be already be in Australia, then don't miss it. Like, but I think I'm starting to get that feeling about things like the Mona Lisa, right? At this point, I can see the Mona Lisa better on the internet. Then mm-hmm. I've seen it the five other times I actually went to the Louvre and actually saw the thing. Yeah. Like, like, it's behind glass. You have to fight through people to see it. Just looking at it on the internet has just as much power and prominence than seeing it in person. Wait a minute. You've seen, you've seen the Mona Lisa five times? Five times. Quick, everybody. Tell me you're a world traveler without telling me you're a world traveler. <laughs> well, you know, the five times I've seen the, uh, the Louvre. I, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I didn't the, mean it like that. I didn't mean by the it. fourth time I've passed by it. <laughs> just messing with you, Craig. Oh, that's funny. Like, yeah, me and me and Pablo, we go way back. You know, the Picasso guy. Like, yeah, I just call him Pobs, and <laughs> I just shorten it out. Okay, well, okay, good, good to know. All right, so things and experiences. Now, some of these, I could I could do right now. One of them. I would like to, I just mentioned that I eat a lot of mac and cheese. So this is going to be an interesting one because I am a fairly picky eater, even though I've gotten better. I'd like to participate in one of the, uh, the whole chef's table type yeah. of experiences. Um, Definitely and, do those. Okay. Okay. So being an introvert, right? Like typically I'm a, you know, tonight's date night. So I'm going to a nice, nice restaurant and I don't want the waiter to be too friendly. Yeah. Too into my experience. I, you know, like be courteous, be nice and I'll, I'll tip you very well. But is a chef's table like my worst nightmare or is it really just a matter of you're just amongst all the things and they just bring you a lot of tasty stuff? No, I, so, and speaking of offline, we'll figure out a way for you to come visit me in Charlotte. We'll go on one of the days that they have it at where I, go right they have it once and once a month sometimes it's brunch sometimes it's there was one today i didn't go but there was a brunch today but anyways that's not for our our podcast listeners like what are they even talking about anyways the chef's table is not usually that the chef is going to come explain the dish explain what they did explain why they came up with it and they'll give you it's like storytelling with an executive chef is what it is Oh, okay they don't ask you questions about your personal life they don't give they don't care they're, they're uh-huh. not gonna. They're not gonna interrupt you. They also know you're there to eat and talk to who you're with. Yeah. So they're so they're just there to really invite your palate to explore what they've created with extra pieces. And I'm the I'm the biggest one to believe that 
like I love Scotch whiskey, but let's be honest, at the end of the day, and a bottle of whiskey, most of it is all the same stuff. It's all the story that goes along with it that makes it so much more fabulous. The, gotcha. the, the things that you've shared or whatever is what makes Scotch special. Yes, there's different flavors, but for the most part, if you break it down, you're not a connoisseur. You're, it's the story. And so a chef is providing you story for every plate. And that's so exciting. I mean, that's so much fun. It's why you do it. Yeah. And I've, and I've experienced that in kind of a, in a micro form on like walking tours where you go like a walking food tour, but like not, not like streets of new Orleans walking right. food tour where like here, here's a, you know, here's a cup of gumbo, which is super good. But like when we went to Portland, Maine, and we did a walking tour and it was like in these really, really nice restaurants. And they were like, here's how I prepared this. Here's where we source our food from. Here's how I came up with this. I was at a pesto competition and that's, that's the other. So, all right. I think I would, I think I would enjoy that. And there's a couple in San Antonio area. There's one, you know, there's, there's a couple that I think would be, would be good, but yeah, I'll have to hit up the the Charlotte one. I just I'm keep imagining visiting. in Portland, they come by your table like that joke about how, so I purposely picked out Frank today for you. Frank, Frank was a, was a six month old rooster. Um, he got a little ornery, but we believe that he's going to, that his spiciness is actually going to translate into the dish. Yes. And it, and it does, and it does so very nicely. Just, just, just mwah. truly but, chef's kiss. But, yeah. I think food tours are another example of where, I've done food tours where they feel like they've done this a million times. The same restaurants, the same people, the restaurants themselves are just putting food in front of you. And then yeah. they'll have those one, those special curated ones. Like I did the North End in Boston. I did one in Thailand. And each time you do them, you almost feel connected to the food that's being made and mm-hmm. who's making it and what's happening. But you never lose sight that you're still on with the other person. You're not absorbed by the wait staff or the tour guide or the whatever. Yeah. And that's what I told like when I told my I told my family who, you know, like I said, from a very small town, that I went on this food tour and I told them what I ate. You know, it was very other than my mom who eats all kinds of stuff. My brother and my dad are very meat and potatoes. They were like, ooh, you ate that. And I realized what when I go on to a food tour, what kind of changes my mind, I'm not there to fill up on food or for sustenance no. to your point. I'm there for the experience and like the different flavor combinations and what they could do with it. Cause I would never eat a beet salad. That beet salad was incredible that I had. But beet salads was, are fantastic. It's really good. Well, I'm, I'm a picky eater and, but I went to that and I'm like, I wouldn't order a beet salad typically, but I turned to my wife. I'm like, I don't eat beets. But what they did with this was pretty impressive. But it's so good, Beats. Yeah, Beats are delicious. You heard it here first. <laughs> Nobody that knows me would believe me when I say it. <laughs> All right, so a couple, couple, couple more, because I do want to, I do want to wrap up this episode with you mentioned Scotch, and we've talked about Scotch broking in the past. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what a scotch broker does for you and how he enhances your life experiences. But the last one is I, I wrote, I came up with this one yesterday, Greg, I want to publish something not to be famous, not because it's any good, but just to say I've published something. Now you have, you've published something, correct? Have you published anything like written works? 
I'm working on an article right now, but no, my dissertation, I mean, my dissertation and my thesis are both bound. So technically they've been published, but yeah. not like distributed at mass. Yeah. Not, not distributed. And, and, and for me, it's not even like from a distribution, it, it literally just like, Hey, on the free bear County digital library, you can go get this thing. I published it, but, and I don't know. I think it's partially because I want to know what it takes you know, I want to know the level of effort. And I didn't even think, I was like, is that really a bucket list item? But I guess to know what it takes to do something or to accomplish something, I guess in its way could be, but I don't know. Well, it, it, there's independent publishing. I mean, Ross, you could, you could, there's plenty of sites out there that will publish your book for you. Sure. And you can load it on Amazon and sell it yourself. The reality is, that as long as you're willing to pay to put something on print, someone will take your money. But if oh, you, I don't know if you know how I write, Greg, <laughs> I might have to pay them. <laughs> yes, you you will pay them money. A to lot print of it. money <laughs> to print it. Oh no, no, to buy it from me. Oh, to buy it from uh, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please I'm like buy when, this I'm book. like when you do that Please like when you book. do that like slow shipping on Amazon they give you the dollar credit it'll be yeah. like buy this and get $2 credit <laughs> like Please take it. No, no, I don't even want it to be I don't even want it to be paid. And I think even even independently publishing is interesting to me because I think it's a whole gig economy thing it to is. me. And that's I would I am not cut out for the gig economy at all, but I think it would be interesting to see the process it takes. I guess it's kind of like building empathy. I don't know. Well, that's, I mean, that's where I'm, you know, I started on this book, right? I started on this book about, you know, AML and, and Winnie the Pooh and team building and all that kind of stuff. I like, you know, I've got three chapters done and I think about it and go, if you, and a reason that motivates me to do it is because uh, I would really like to quit my job. Um, <laughs> it's good motivation. <laughs> Uh, and not do this anymore. I've realized data analytics, as exciting as it is, isn't exactly a life passion. Um, but you also have to be willing to do the TED Talk circuit. You have to be willing to do the sales thing. And in some ways, depending on what book you're going to write, if it's fiction or it's nonfiction. I mean, I, I know how many people are like, hey, I want to write an autobiography of my life. Here's the thing. Most autobiographies are terrible. Who wants to read about, I mean, I got one on Shelly Winters, which I really kind of liked because she had lots and lots of men. And so it was lots of stories about the famous men that she slept with. But, but that was the exciting part of Shelly Winters' biography. It wasn't about the life on the, like her previous life and how she yeah, moved no, to not at all. And, and I think autobiographies are much more interesting when their autobiographies are very interesting people. And I know not that you're not interesting. It's just, as you think about what you're going to write on, it's who's your audience and why would they want to read it? Yeah. And so I'll just publish one thing. I'll read it. Oh, thank you, Greg. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. I, I mean, it's not going to be long. I'm not talking book form. You I'm should talking... write a children's book, Ross. I think you'd be fabulous at writing a children's book. Oh, so my mom was in the education system. So I do have a lot of background in um, like education type of stuff. And I think I, could, I think I could narrow that down. See, I think the niche now is how to write a book that gets banned from elementary schools because then kids want to read it. Then it gets super popular. Yeah. 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 The, L the LGBT, I grew up transgendered book is like selling crazy right now. Yeah, like hotcakes because, because yeah. it can't be. Because it got banned. Well, it's, it's, the whole, it's the whole people wanting what they can't have. That's right. Type of thing. Type of thing. Yeah. Okay. So 
Ross's children's book is based on, on obscure fetishes of like. Oh, God. <laughs> Be like, I'm just trying to prepare them what they're going to hear about in middle school. Because you know that's what's going to happen. You wonder if the South Park guys start out as being like, let's make a children's cartoon. And then, yeah. Yes. And then it, and then it went, and they're like, oh, I think we're going to have to up it on the uh, content rating here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I'm that, I don't think I'm creative enough for any of that stuff. Maybe I think, you, I think you're incredibly it. creative. I think you just, yeah, you haven't found your niche for the creativity. Yeah. Maybe I'll start with like just. Throw sort the structure like, out the window. Get rid of the Sevrons and just go for it. Just, just go. Yeah, just, just, uh, just put it all out there. I'm gonna make a book about coloring books. I don't know what it's gonna be yet, but it's it's gonna be very interesting. All right, Scotch Broker, to make a hard turn from children's books to Scotch. So last time, how oh, we got on the top? We talked about Scotch Brokers. I mentioned Scotch Brokers because you had said you had one. Help me and the audience understand in a minute or less what a Scotch broker is and does for you. So you're familiar with buying stocks, right? Oh, yes. And a stock broker. Mm-hmm. Right. So a stock broker sells you pieces of paper of a company and that, you, that has supposedly have value, right? And you purchase it. Now, there's commodities dealers that sell you either commodity shares of a commodity during the day that like you might think that, oh, orange juice is going to go up, orange juice is going to go down, whatever. And then you can actually buy that commodity. So you can actually buy physical items. You can buy art. You can buy, and you can buy liquor. You can buy scotch barrels, like I did, that are 12 years old, that the distiller doesn't want to hold in their, in their shed, so here's the thing. This is what blows people's minds about single malt scotch. Single malt scotch, even though it's called single malt, it just means it's from the same distillery. It doesn't mean it's from the same barrel. That's what cask strength means. So what happens is these scotch dealers, these scotch distilleries, they have so much of their product. They no longer need this product for their, for their, for their blends. They don't need this product or they're not going to bottle that many because they don't have enough demand. So they, they, they off sell it to the market. And so I could bought, I bought a barrel of scotch. I'm planning to buy two more barrels of scotch and I will sell them into to independent dealers, independent bottlers for distribution later. And so I'm holding, I'm taking the risk because that scotch may turn and the, and, and the company that I bought it from the distiller doesn't want any, like the, tw- they weren't going to bottle that 12. It's 12, I bought it at 12 years. They weren't <laughs> going to bottle that 12 and they don't have a 15 or an 18 product. So they're not going to keep it. So they don't know what to do with it. And they don't want to spend the time to hold on to it, to age it past the 12 years. So they sold it to me at a discount. And then I can sell it later. And it goes up in value. So, yeah. so who, who keeps the bear? I mean, I don't see any barrels behind you. Like where? No, it's actually in a warehouse in Edinburgh, Scotland. So it's sitting in a oh, warehouse. I, I, I would do a, I would do a really poor impression, but I'm very bad at impressions of, <laughs> of a Scottish person, and I don't want to offend anybody who in the future may be Scottish. <laughs> yeah, so it's in a warehouse. It's bonded and insured. Um, and uh, <laughs> this and, is wild. And actually, every couple of years they send me a sample. So I'm, we happen to be going. We're traveling abroad this year, 
And the offices of my particular Scotch dealer are in the area we're traveling to. So rather than them mail me a sample of what my barrel is doing, they'll prepare a sample for me and have it waiting for me. And so me and a, and a licensed investment manager are going to sit down. We're going to try it. We're going to see where it is and how long we think we can hold out before we sell it. So basically, this started when a couple of stockbrokers decided they want to drink on the job. And they were like, <laughs> hey, let's do this with liquor. And then we could, quote, try it. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So, so now, oh man, my mind, this is a whole nother episode of things, commodities that you could buy and sell that would be a very good idea or a very bad idea. Um, so that's, that's a whole nother thing. The, the final topic, cause in the pre-show you'd mentioned, uh, going by a cigar shop and buying, buying some cigars. And this isn't going to be a lecture on bad habits, Greg, because you know, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna do that to you right now. But like when you go buy cigars, is it like a fireworks store? Like buy one, get 12 free type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it is? Or is it like, like, do you just kind of roll in and it's just kind of, kind of smoky in there? Like the dude's yeah, smoking actually, a cigar. That's, that's exactly what it kind of is like. Yeah. You walk in. Um, it's a lot. Uh, it's a very dude thing, right? Even though there are females that smoke and there was, there was females at the cigar shop yesterday. Uh, it's still a very dudish kind of thing. Leather chairs, darkened wood. I mean, sh wooden shades, that kind of look, right? And in the humidor and on the sides of the wall, there are cigars in cases, right? In glass, right? That are humidified and maintained. And you go in and you purchase cigars. And depending on what specials they have, it, it could be, hey, if you buy 20 cigars, we'll give you four for free. But most of the time, you're paying by the stick. Most people don't buy that many. I, I happened to go because it was a special on a brand that I like. Uh, uh, that, that they make several different kinds. And so I bought a variety about a variety pack basically of different cigars. Uh, but yeah, that's what my wife does with but, chocolate. Yeah. But it was, but I'm part of a cigar club in a cigar and whiskey club. And I joined mainly for the whiskey in Charlotte and I needed to fill my locker up. I have a locker that keeps my cigars in it. So I needed to fill my locker up. So I had some, cause I was running low on my department. And so, yeah. So you got, so you got some cigars now, now is there, is there like a, like with craft beers, there's definitely like a community and, and like a trade, like, yeah. a, you know, Oh, this one's really good. I recommend this like that type of thing. Is it, is it, I mean, I'm sure it probably not quite as popular as the craft beer community just because craft beer is extremely popular, at least in the States right now. But is that, is it, is there a similar vibe? I think if you get if you get any man if any man who likes something has an obsession about it. I don't know what it is about dudes and being obsessed about things. But whatever we whatever we're into, we become obsessed about it. Some people are really obsessed about sports, some people are really obsessed about you know music and so on and so forth and they know everything there is to know about it. Cigars is the same thing. I am not. I don't have an obsession with cigars, but yes, there are a lot of guys. I was talking to a guy today. I went to brunch and the guy was talking about um He's dry age. He's aging cigars. He's aging them, not dry aging them. That's what you do to meat. He's aging them. So he's got them in these coolers and things. He's aging them out in these kind of environments that allow them to, to age over time. So they, 
So it's they, got like different flavor, like different. Right. So they have different profiles to them and he can test them out and see what he likes most and those things. And he's just, it's an art to him, right? It's an obsession. I don't think I'm that way. I just wanted to fill my box up with sticks. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, whiskey, so, yeah, I'm yeah. much more that way, right? Whiskey, okay, I'm okay. much more that way. So I yeah. know a lot about different kinds of whiskeys, where whiskeys are, where whiskeys come from, what the different flavor profiles are of each whiskey, and what those regions are known for. And I'm really into trying different kinds of whiskey. It's not to get drunk. It's just to taste. Yeah, yeah. It's truly, it's truly like a wine tasting type yeah. of thing. It's just, just with whiskey. Yeah. Just like that. Fascinating. As someone who doesn't drink, I wish... No. I wish I did. Um, no, not you because, don't, Ross. You don't like not, it. Not because of work, but because I think the history and how things are done are very interesting to me. You know, like how, how they're made and everything. Well, so well then we'll go visit a distillery together, Ross, and yeah. uh, we won't drink it. You can, you can have, you can have my, you can have my uh, samples. <laughs> They'll be like, sir, why are you here then? <laughs> well, you see, it's a long story. <laughs> You're making me go to Harry Potter. I should make you guys go to a distillery. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'll go with you to your scotch broker. I want to yeah. observe this. I'm gonna I'll be taking notes. That's podcast gold. <laughs> like that's that'll be part of my book that I publish. We'll do it before we go to tea. I think that'll be good. I'll make appointments before we go to tea. Roll roll into the scotch broker and then be like, uh, I do need to finish this up because I got high tea. So <laughs> we gotta we got we got to get a move on with this. Are we are we buy or sell? Like uh, we got <laughs> options trading on this bad boy. Can I put this barrel on somebody? We're gonna option it. You can buy options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puts and calls on barrels of scotch. Yes. I think I just invented a whole new. I'm gonna market. sell it short. I'm gonna sell the barrel right. short. Right, yeah. No, you've got to drink it next year. <laughs> you must. The, uh, the whole... crazy part is, is one interesting thing is a loophole with buying scotch is that you don't have to pay taxes on the money you make on it. Interesting. So it's a very interesting market because it's a commodity, just like if you were to buy pigs, you don't have to, you, you have to pay tax on the final product. So you pay tax on, if you sell pigs, the tax gets pushed off onto the consumer. Yep. So there's no tax on any gains I make off the barrel. The consumer is going to pay those taxes in the bottle. That's awesome. It's another it's pro- weird, right? Another pro tip here, folks. Get into yeah. the get into the Scotch world, but not Greg's part of town. He's got that. <laughs> got Greg's that got Greg's got that part of town cornered. Don't take Greg's Scotch. Yeah, got those barrels on lock. All right, Greg. This is good. I think I've got some good good things on my bucket list. I think I know what to. I think I know what to knock off first, and I think I've got some. Uh, I think Chef's Table is going to be something. They definitely do that happening soon, and I can I can report back. I like bucket list report. That's what's going to happen. We're going to have a bucket list report, and then we'll we'll go into and you'll be like, well, Ross, there's no such thing as a Chef's Table at Peter Piper Pizza. <laughs> like that's not that's not a thing. Like you. You totally got fooled on that one. <laughs> but they told me. Anyways. All right, Greg. As always, it was great talking to you. Listeners, we will be back soon at some random time. Just like your favorite artists, we drop things and you never know when. We're just going to drop some <laughs> new stuff on drop you. It. So. Yep. All right. Take care, All everybody. Right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared. Join us again next time as we continue to meander through random topics at a pace defined by our mood, the weather, 
and what happened five minutes earlier.